Hello and welcome to the Hybrid Hangout podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking all about our 2-1 victory over Bristol City. So with two goals from Katie McCabe, we finally see Arsenal's first back-to-back wins of the season and we're obviously hoping this leads to more consistency on the pitch and really building up a more consistent and steady run to the top of the league. Or at the very least, the European spots once again. Let's dive right in with the usual a match report. So in front of 12,800 fans, we saw the Katie only scores bangers McCabe, a classic once again. She put Arsenal ahead early on with a stunning strike from just outside of the box. And to be honest, at this point, I was even just before the goal, obviously it was very early on, but I was thinking, okay, Arsenal are back, like we were kind of all over them and it was very promising. There was lots of connections being made and there was a lot more kind of chemistry on the pitch that was visible. What's been worrying me lately is this whole like, not knowing where to put the ball because we've seen in the past, you know, the the link-ups, the people have been playing together for so long, they know where to put the passes for each other without really thinking about it. So I was thinking, great, this is so positive. Even despite the fact that Bristol City were very much playing in that low defensive block that Arsenal seemed to struggle with lately. However, kind of just as quick as that excitement was taking over a lot of gooners, I imagine, Bristol City, of course, equalised with a Rachel Furness header. And to be perfectly honest, it was some very sloppy defending. Um, I would, and I think the defenders would, expect better of them. But I do think there is a lack of um, kind of link-up consistency with the defenders, and I'll be talking more about that later. There's been a lot of questions about, like, Manny Zinsberger, and I think sometimes, obviously, like, criticism is valid, but a lot of people say that she doesn't really move in goal, like, she's very static, however, and they pointed out that she didn't dive for this ball, but really, if you watch the goal, goal, especially from, like, behind the net, a very direct view, very similar to what she would see, there's absolutely no way she would have saved it just because of the angle, the speed, etc., and I think people forget that every single time a goalkeeper of any level, of any gender, etc., when you dive, especially at such a reach, which that one would have been, you do risk injuring yourself. And I just think you do need to take into account that there wasn't the reaction time for it. Like there wasn't any chance. So personally, that one made sense to me. I do understand the criticisms, but, and to clarify, I'm not saying Manu doesn't dive because she's scared to get injured. I absolutely don't think that's the case. But sometimes as a goalkeeper, like, you are going to see things and you know and also the defenders knew that's why even before it was going in like as it was going in you saw their faces drop because they knew it wasn't savable however this goal was also bristol's only attempt on goal um but either on target or not just in general their only attempt on goal so bristol city like i said had a really tight well-formed back low block and it was really frustrating the Arsenal players and fans as well are watching on but just before the half the hour mark Katie McCabe to the rescue once more scores another goal for Arsenal a little bit later on we saw Beth Mead come on this time getting a lot more minutes than she did at the Emirates and it's really great to see this slowly building up already over time um and I think her true return in terms of like the Beth Mead we all know is definitely coming soon although in all honesty her touches have been fire lately and once again just wonderful to see all of the cheers for her I think it really helps Mead in particular have that relationship with the fans 
And then we see the return of Viv Midmar, our goat, of course. This, obviously, she didn't get very minutes, many minutes at all. Very early days for her, but I do think the fact that we have seen her in action for Arsenal now, I don't think you can 100% rule out minutes for the Netherlands, even if it is small amounts, because originally when she got called up for the Netherlands, I think myself included, a lot of people were thinking this was perhaps a very similar situation to Beth Mead when we went to Sweden. She knew that there was no way she was going to play as it was too early in the development stages of getting her back on the pitch, but it was an important step in the recovery to be in that environment and do certain things that you do on match day, especially like for the mental aspect of it as well. So this could be really interesting to watch how the Netherlands deal with Viv. And of course, in true Miedemar style, she nearly created a goal with her first touch back in the WSL after 11 months out. There was huge cheers for Viv and lots of emotional uh, social media posts after the game. From Viv herself, which I always think is really nice to see how real she gets on social media, especially in particular like through the ACL period and recovery, I think she's been really raw, which has been a really interesting perspective from her. And then, of course, from lots of other players, including Mia Williamson and even Kaylin, who was sadly in her Bristol City kit, obviously, but couldn't play, said that it was great to see it happen live. And if that wasn't enough, Viv got a new chant, which is great to see because I don't think she has that many, especially considering how long she's been at Arsenal and what she's done for Arsenal. But I really enjoyed it. If no one picked up, here is a really bad rendition of it. But it's essentially na 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 <laughs> Vivian Miedema. Yep, that was really bad, but I'm not going to go back and record it so you can all deal with that awkwardness and cringiness and I'm going to move on and pretend it didn't happen. So after the game, Jonas Eidevel, Arsenal boss, said that I think the way that we played offensively, a very varied approach, was very good. We had many options throughout the pitch to attack them. Executions on the goal-scoring opportunities is not yet clicking. We had enough chances to score more goals today and did not take them. We have to improve on this. So now looking at some analysis and also Tim Stillman on Arsblog as always had a really great piece as well which I think you should all read and there's also been some pieces on The Athletic which have been great if you have access to that. Um, So to me this game highlights how much Arsenal have struggled against this low defensive block that we seem to have come up quite a few times already so admittedly the sample size is really small because we've all only played four games but you can see the situations that it's come from obviously Villa and Liverpool and now Bristol City have all played in this very low defensive block the only exception of course being Manchester United where interestingly I think we can all agree that we played certainly better than the Liverpool game by a long long stretch but what I would say is that if you compare just comparing all the low defensive block games every single game we seem to have learned something new from it and we have improved and that's not just based on the fact that we won against Villa and now won against Bristol City but the performances themselves have definitely been better I appreciate that it can be really frustrating especially looking at all these crosses going in and not really achieving that much but I I do think if you look at other aspects, whether that be the stats and things, you can see that there is an improvement in how Arsenal are dealing with the situation. Now, there's definitely a few things that this stems from. For me, I think one of the biggest issues is the rotation of the players. 
um, and the inconsistency that that is providing, especially when we're looking at our backline. And I think I would probably say that I mean that in two ways. So firstly, in a very literal sense, boy, oh boy, do we miss Lee Williamson and Rafa Souza. I know you're all thinking, okay, hun, let it go. <laughs> she left and move on. But like, I think when you consider the world of women's football having such a specific skill set that Rafa did and then finding ways to replace that and also the relationship that she had with Leah both on and off the pitch in terms of their chemistry it is quite difficult to move on from but specifically what I'm saying about Leah Williamson is I think we just massively miss how she would help Arsenal in these low block situations both with those gorgeous diagonal balls that would break up games and help bring all of the like the system together that Arsenal plays but also her progressive carrying just really really missing that and then the wider inconsistency obviously comes from the fact that we have a lot of new signings at the back all in the same position so we have Amanda Edestet and then Leia Kadena and Obviously, Lotta did play a lot of minutes and she's very established in the Arsenal squad, but she's having to play with a lot of different people as of late. And I do think relationships in football are really overlooked because, yes, you can be world class, yes, you can have all these aspects, but knowing the person's next to you, especially in defence where you need that level of trust and like knowledge of each other's game, I do think that sort of situation can struggle. But I think Lotta is really developing even though she's already a great player really developing in these situations when she's had more game time than she has in the past especially for Arsenal you think like in those high pressure situations especially against Villa last week when she had the late minute clearance I do think we're seeing a real I'm gonna say a lot of renaissance if you will but anyway the inconsistency is I think people are forgetting just how new Leia and Amanda Elisa are especially Leia Kadena because she didn't even get to go to Sweden with Arsenal and then in addition to not just having new people and the new things we've been changing the system quite a lot and the lineup as well so then you're getting a lot of different mixes all in one go but I think that's what's going to come with time, which I appreciate is a very frustrating answer, especially from a fan perspective. But I think as well, now that we brought in so many new players next in the windows, I think it won't be as busy and as like big of a deal. And then because of that, people will be able to bed in a lot more easier just in the long run. And obviously the problem is the WSL season is so short. I also think a lot of this links to why we haven't seen that much of Kyra Cooney Cross or Katrina Cool, and I think it's because there's inconsistency at the back, so the need for consistency, especially in the midfield, coming from Kim Little and Leah Volti is absolutely vital to keeping the game and the game plan intact. That being said, especially to do with Kyra Cooney Cross, as you all know, like I was super excited for her to sign um, for Arsenal. I do think people need to remember kind of Jonas's style, especially as we've seen like Emma Hayes new signings come in and they're scoring goals and everyone's like, oh, look at that instant impact, blah, blah, blah. That's how a signing should work. But like if you look at Frida Leonardo Mornum, when she first came in, she didn't get much game time either. But then you look at her last season and, you know, award winning for her. So I do think that quite often you just have to give these new signings time to bed in, especially when you look at how Jonas has kind of 
dealt with new signings in the past as well in terms of how he likes to set up the team. Also, actually talking of Chelsea, I do think it's really interesting to compare because a lot of people will probably listen to this and be like, okay, but Chelsea consistently put out different teams. They're really good at like rotation quite often and they play different systems. But what I would say is that it did take them quite a few years to get to this point. If you go back to say even a little bit before 2015 um, or like when Emma Hayes came in a little bit after you definitely see that this process takes time and it's not specific to the Arsenal team and their abilities or Jonas and his abilities. It's just kind of a fact of football. But let's look at some stats from the game, get that aspect of the understanding. So as I said, Bristol only had the one shot and the one shot on target. In comparison, brace yourselves, Gooners, Arsenal had 25 shots and 10 of those were on target. Passes in the final third, Bristol had 35, whereas Arsenal had 272. And possession, which I think is a huge improvement for Arsenal, is Bristol City 20%, Arsenal 80%. And a final special stat for you, Katie McCabe has more goals to her name than yellow cards at the minute. Slay Queen. Um, So also, looking at the season as a whole so far, I say season as a whole, four games, we've conceded five goals from nine shots on us which I think is quite interesting maybe speaks a little bit to the inconsistency going on at the back but not awful overall especially considering we've played United and Aston Villa and while I appreciate Aston Villa aren't doing as amazing as a lot of people expect them to do they do have Rachel Daly who literally won the golden boot last season so mm, I think mixed reviews there Another thing I would say looking into the future, next up we have Man City and like Brighton and these teams don't play in low defensive blocks, like there is no way Man City are going to rock up and do that to us, so I think we're moving to better things potentially. The final aspect of the game that I want to talk about is Jonas Eidvel and Viv Miedemar's relationship and Jonas's relationship with the players in a wider perspective spoken a lot about how I think Jonas's emotional understanding and his compassion for the players is really important and while I don't think you should you know congratulate someone for doing their job or like the you know I think the phrase is like don't congratulate official swimming right I do think especially when you look at how awful a lot of players are treated in the women's game Jonas's understanding of his players is next level and I think is a really underrated aspect of his game and I say this because if you look at why and when Beth Mead was brought on compared to Viv's return that's Jonas understanding players context so for Beth she has great relationship with the fans and she said in her own words that she does thrive from the applause and like the energy that fans give and that sort of thing so I think her returning at the Emirates to this rupturous applause was really good for her and her confidence and like the love we had to share with her whereas in comparison Viv obviously also has this great relationship with the fans but I think to do it at a ground and with a club that has absolutely no relation to the ACL injury in any way was a really good move especially because Viv has spoken about how she's found it quite a mental battle especially when she thinks about like re-injury and like the mental toll of the injury so I think that's why 
Bristol City was such a good way for her to come back and only a few minutes as well just to you know ease her in get that confidence going and I think that's definitely what happened. Now that concludes the episode in terms of the Bristol City game but now let's look at some Arsenal news so of course we're heading into international break which means that London Colney is pretty quiet but we sadly because it's Arsenal there's some injury news to share. So Lotte Vubamoy is staying at St George's she's very much with the Lionesses however she wasn't at the first day of training today. Um, because of a minor ankle injury that she picked over the up over the weekend, but there's not really any major concerns there, considering she's staying with the Lionesses. Lena Hertig has a back injury, so not currently with Sweden, but the Swedish boss on the first day of camp said that it's unlikely she's going to join tomorrow, but the Swedish medical team and Arsenal's medical team are very much in contact regularly, and they're taking it day by day. So they're not 100% ruling out her joining with the squad at a later date, but at the minute it's looking a little unlikely. In comparison, Amanda Elastet picked up a slight thigh injury. She has joined up with the Sweden team, um, and on that, the coach confirmed that she had arrived and just basically said we'll see what happens at the moment he said he doesn't know if there is a player who won't participate we will announce it so again interesting to monitor we've also had great news all around for a lot of our younger players the young gunners if you will so Arya Dennis who is currently on loan at Bristol Palace at the weekend scored definitely something to consider a goal of the season contender from 30 yards out despite this real banger of a goal very Katie McCabe-esque if you will um Crystal Palace actually went on to lose 3-2 to Charlton where our Freya Godfrey's on loan Freya Godfrey came on in the 62nd minute and not just all for Freya Godfrey the Arsenal trio of Freya Godfrey as I just said Maddie Earl and Katie Reid are all called up to the England under-19s. Those of you who may be slightly less familiar with Maddie Earl, she's recently provided Arsenal under-21s with four assists in their 5-0 victory over the under-21s of London City Lionesses. And we've also seen her train a fair amount recently with the first team. So super interesting to see her progress. And as I said, we now head into international break. So Fun fact, before I break down who is leaving, which is essentially most of the team, um, Stina Blackstanius is one game away from reaching 100 senior caps for Sweden. Their next game is against Switzerland, where she'll, of course, meet up with Switzerland's captain, Leo Volti, and also Noel Maritz from Arsenal. And that's on October the 27th. After that, Sweden face Italy on October 31st. So let's be real, she is definitely going to get to that 100 caps, which is such an exciting milestone for her. There's been Aussie call-ups for Kyra Cooney-Cross, Caitlin Ford and Steph Catley. So a lot of travel for them, although they all were given a break in the previous international window, which was really great to see from the Matildas from a player care perspective. Um, we also see call-ups for Russo and Lottavimoy for England. Like I said, Switzerland is Leah Volti and Noah Maritz. For Canada, it's Sabrina D'Angelo and Chloe Lacasse. In particular, for both of them for Canada, I think it's really going to be interesting to see the minutes they get when you compare to how few minutes they got in the World Cup this summer. 
for Austria, we of course have Zinsberger. They didn't. They did have some games over the summer, but it was very, very limited. Obviously, as they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Obviously, it's way too soon for Laura Wien Reuter to be getting calls up to Austria. However, she is now running on grass, which is super exciting. Republic of Ireland, Kate McCabe. Obviously, she'll be captaining for Norway. It's Frida Mornum. Again, Norway always to me have this very interesting situation, full of world class players but do seem to be struggling lately, both internally and on the pitch. Denmark have called up Katrina Kuhl again, and for the Netherlands, obviously, we have Victoria Pulova and Viv Miedema. So, essentially, most players involved there. The rest will, of course, remain at London Colney, the likes of Jen Beattie, Kim Little, Gio and so on will all be at London Colony just continuing their training um, and I imagine also getting a little bit of a break in there just to manage them and their mental and physical health. I will be putting some things to do with their international success and exploits on social media and I'm also most likely going to be at St George's at some point this week so hopefully we'll get to see Lotta back in action and also Lassie Russo. Thanks for listening. Bye.